10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you once again to the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Mike Pilato is swinging by here in just a little bit. He's all tan and relaxed, ready to go. Yeah, he was doing okay in that department anyway. But he's uh, swinging by to tell us all about... (laughs) I'll take a bet on the relaxed part. The the, uh, nine-day trip to the Dominican Republic for the A-State men's basketball team. We'll get all the details on that. Looking forward to that conversation. Meanwhile, a couple of notes from this past week. The football team continuing preseason camp. I have a hard time calling it fall camp, by the way. I I just, I can't say fall camp because we're in the middle of summer. Mm -hmm. I know everybody refers to it as fall camp, but for me, it's preseason camp. It's it's 90 degrees outside. So saying it's fall camp is something I kind of stay away from. And they're just glad we're not calling it two-a-days. Well, and that's kind of a thing of the past. Now, they did do kind of a two-a-days last Thursday. They had a run-through with pads and no helmets on Thursday morning. And then they had a night practice at the stadium under the lights on Thursday night. But that's the closest thing you see anymore because these players are here all throughout the summer. And used to, the two-a-days, a lot of it was trying to get them back in Mm -hmm. shape again. Well, these guys, they've been here all summer getting in shape with Jeff Jones. They've been in the weight room going through that strength and conditioning program. And I'm also glad, too, that um, another part of the language that's changed is calling that stretch time where they do the the PRPs, the player-run practices. Yeah. You know, those used to be called voluntary workouts, (laughs) insinuating it was okay if you just opted not to volunteer to go that day. Yeah, that's a little misleading, too. That's right there with fall camp. The team did scrimmage this past Saturday. I was able to go out and watch it, and they ran 113 total plays. That's what Butch Jones said afterwards. And just seeing this team go through its first scrimmage, the offense, I'll tell you, looked really sharp. And it was good to see some of the things that we saw out there. And and you remember – Towards the the second half of last year, and we talked about how you know the first half of the season, the offense was kind of up, the defense was down, and then it kind of flipped. It sure did. Defense was up, offense was down the second half of the year, but James Blackman really looks comfortable at quarterback. We've talked about him, and when Philip Butterfield was here last week, talked about just his leadership, how this is kind of his team now, but... This is the first time he's ever had an offensive coordinator for the second straight year, and you can tell he's comfortable out there right now. Well, that's good. I mean, it's it's, uh, it, it's good to see good to not just as we talked about last week, not just a, a coordinator for the second year, but uh, you know he's also not gotten to go through an off season and preseason camp, knowing it's his team to run. And even though if he had that a little bit late in camp last year. It's still not the same because he's still the new guy. So I think his comfort level, I would say, when you start looking at all those factors, his comfort level should be at the highest point it's been in his career, regardless of what school you're talking about. And one thing that was a 
trademark of so many of those great teams over the course of the past decade. You go back, you see Ryan Applin, Freddie Knighton, Justice Hansen. They all were a threat to run the football. And I think this team might be trying to instill a little bit of that. Now, James Blackman's not necessarily a running quarterback, but just making him a threat to run is something we really didn't see last year. And then you you bring in a guy like A.J. Mayer, the Miami of Ohio transfer, that maybe can help you out in, in that area too. You just want the quarterback to at least have to be accounted for. Right from a run game standpoint, you don't want to let a defense play eleven on ten. And James is a pro style. He wants to stand in there and throw the football, but to at least know he's a threat to run, or as you said with AJ that he can come in and be run, it helps the numbers game if you can just make the quarterback be accounted for. The offensive line looks much improved. Good to see Jordan Rhodes out there, the Ole Miss transfer who, by all accounts, has been fantastic ever since he arrived on campus. And then the running backs look good. You know, Brian Sneed, Johnny Lang. Of course, we know about Marcel Murray. But one guy that that looks like he might be really fun to watch is Jaquez Cross. And we saw a little bit of him in the spring, but saw him kind of in the return game the other day. And He's one of those guys that looks like he can be explosive and break off a big one. So good to see a combination like that in the backfield. And then I know Coach Jones wants a little bit more depth with the receivers, wants some guys to step it up a little bit. But uh, Tavalence Hunt, Jeff Foreman continue to kind of lead that position group. We've talked a lot about Champ Flemings, mm-hmm. the Oregon State transfer. But, hey, don't forget about a guy that walked on at – the beginning of last year florida kid reagan ely he got more reps as the season progressed last year and he looks like he might be a big part of the offense this year this time a year ago he was becoming the who is that guy guy you know because you yep. go watch practice and this little guy you really never heard of was out there making plays and you have to go ask somebody who is that guy and so yeah don't forget about him because uh they found something with ely last year and hopefully he can pick up where he left off all right, so again, the team scrimmage this past Saturday. They'll scrimmage again this coming Saturday. I think they're actually going to do this a little bit later, maybe a 6 o'clock start time on this coming Saturday's scrimmage. But that's not everything that's going on in the world of A-State athletics. we got a new tennis coach on campus. That's right. Uh, Scott Kidd is uh, his name, and he had been – his last college coaching stop was coaching the men at Troy. He'd been doing some stuff, working with some junior, uh, the Junior Davis Cup team and was kind of a head pro at one of the biggest tennis centers in the country since then. You know, he, he's got a great resume. This was interesting because this opening came up right when there really almost kind of wasn't an AD in place. But Amy Holt ran point on this whole search because Amy herself used to be a college tennis coach. She she was, yeah. For a long time. That's That was what her career was in. She was a, a tennis coach at the collegiate level. So she was the perfect person to go out yeah. and, and just kind of just go out. Hey, one person firm. Go find us a new head tennis coach. And, and she's done that and uh, looking forward to seeing how that goes. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll be joined by – the head coach of the A-State men's basketball team, Mike Bellato, is in studio right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. 
we win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Joined now by our good friend and all tanned up back from the beach. (laughs) Head coach of the Red Wolves, Mike Bellato. How you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? Appreciate the uh, invite. Not one ounce of baby oil put on myself here. This is a pure Cuban. <laughs> I will see, like, just in all instances, how much Spanish did you get to speak last week? No, the question is how much English I got to speak. You, hardly none. Only in timeouts and like hanging out with the fans and and the guys on the. You know, by the pool, but it was it was I was the uh, major translator, the number one, numero uno. You know, I should have said Buenos Dias when I came in, that, that's, but I was so used to that. And then my, a, a really good friend of mine, Gus Perez, who worked for one of the largest um, payroll companies in the country, came on the vi- on the trip as well. So he was number two in translation. He was on the bench. So I told him to watch the scores table. I didn't trust that we're putting the fouls in correctly. So he, he sat on the bench. <laughs> uh, but it was great. I spoke a lot of Spanish, a lot of Spanish. I tuned up really well. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Well, again, we're, we wanted to have you in this week because you just got back from the trip mm-hmm. to the Dominican Republic. And we talked about it even before you left, just how good of a bonding experience this would be, especially with so many newcomers on this team. Was it everything you hoped it would be, this trip? Absolutely. You know, if if a foreign trip was important for any program, for me, I thought it was the most important for our team with so many new faces, you know, and a lot of them came in kind of staggered throughout the summer. Some guys got here later. Some guys had to finish up classes. Some guys had couldn't get here. And then finally to have everybody here together, all 16 for the first time, we 48 hours before we went out. You know, Reeves, Diedrich Reeves was the last person. So we actually had everybody in practice twice, and then we were able to hang out kind of as a, as a family out there. And it was probably the best thing that we've done since I've been here as far as not only basketball but just culturally – team bonding wise, the people that went, everything just worked out, thank goodness, the way it was supposed to work out. And it was it was a great experience all the way around. I can't say anything negative about, you know, that trip, everything positive and what I wanted to get out of it. You play three games while you're down there. And it was kind of in the first half of the trip when you were on the floor. So you were able to play the three games and then afterward get a little bit of bonding relaxation time after that but I do want to talk about the on-court stuff because you play three games you go two and one and the lone loss was against the Dominican Republic senior national team which I know is loaded with professionals yeah that that team was I knew that team was going to be very good you had I think it was seven players or eight players I have over 60 seasons of professional basketball under their belt. So a lot of guys have been playing for 10-plus years. These were grown men. Grown men. You know, like Andres Feliz, who played at Illinois, plays ACB in Spain. ACB is a top league. That's where the Gasols played. I mean, yeah. he's – and then you had, you know, two or three other guys that were like – 
I've been playing pro in the Caribbean. A couple guys played G League. A couple guys were still trying to make the NBA and playing Germany and places like that that are very good basketball. So when I saw the roster, I knew it was going to be a challenge, and I thought it was great for our team to go through that. These guys know the rules. If people watch the game, you know, it was more like I was about to walk out with my Ric Flair robe on the second game because it was like WWE. <laughs> like, But it was good because we needed that. You know, we needed to get through some adversity and play against really good competition. And we lost by 16 or 18 the first game, but it wasn't like that. I mean, it was nine points, you know, eight points, six points. We made a run, went up, then went up. So it was a good challenging game for us as a team. And I got to see a lot of our guys and what we have on the team. And then we got to play against some really good competition that it was a lot of great stuff on film that we can work on. So we ended up losing that game, but it was really good for us to go through that experience, especially with a team like that. Say a little tongue-in-cheek because I know there wasn't a lot of scout. You mostly want to see your guys play, but I don't know if Coach Eon could be a resource, but some of these dudes that were had been were still playing overseas. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, Coach Eon had played overseas for 15 years. Yep. So I guess, like, here's a funny story. So, I mean, they, they were getting and ones, but I guess in, in Europe basketball, you get an extra step, just like you do in the NBA. It's like a third step. It's allowed. So, yeah, yeah we get a time on. He says, fellas, you're allowed to three steps, man. You always travel and practice anyway. You might as well travel now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's not that easy to like, hey, just take an extra step. You know what I mean? Like these guys have been doing it for 20 years. I thought it was hilarious. I had to laugh in the timeout. My guys are looking at him. Our guys are looking at him like, coach, what are you talking about? Like, I said, just take three steps. What the heck, you know? But he helped. He was a good resource for like, you know, the way they set screens and kind of sets that were coming up. We didn't have any. We we base a lot of our basketball defensive concepts and principles on scouting. You know, we try to take away things from other teams. We know what's coming. We put in a lot of time to actually do our research. We we went in there completely blind. We had no idea what teams were running. Eventually, even who was playing, guys showed up late. Jetty Matos, who plays in the G League, showed up the day of, and they threw him on the team, the senior team, to go play. So I was like, okay, you need a whole day to scout for that guy. You know what I mean? But, you know, we didn't have anything like that. And to be able to come out victorious in two games, not knowing what was coming, just sticking to your kind of skeleton offense and in your principles defensively was really impressive. So that's a good point because I wish we had some more. As a coach, you're – you're sweating over there because you don't know what's coming. But as a player, they just play the game. You played the national team first, and then you played the Dominican select team and then right. the under-22 team, mm-hmm. and you were able to win both of those games. And you were telling us off the air, you thought that last game was going to be the toughest. And look, you were down most of the game, but came back, made a charge at the end, and ended up winning in overtime. Yeah. I'll go to the second game first. The second game was almost like a true road game. So the way it works over there, the LNB, which is the pro league, Santiago's got like six teams. So what they did was they took kind of the East and West All-Stars. I think we played the West All-Stars. And these guys all walked in. They make a lot of money over there, and they're all the best players on their team. And they just kind of threw them together as a select team and play. It's like an all-star game. And, you know, those guys have been playing for a while, and they're grown men. And for us to come out with a one-point victory, I think, was big because we made plays down the stretch that we needed. Julian Lowell, one of our new guys, made a free throw to win the game. I mean, he's on the line with no time left, basically 1.9 seconds. And goes one for three from the line. But I told him, he was after the game, he was upset. I said, brother, all we needed was one. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. So you missed two free throws. But, you know, you made the one that we needed. But 
which what which one? It was the second one. Okay. He misses the first, you know, so that's a little bit more pressure. Then he makes the second and then the Well then you want to miss the third. That's what I said. I told him I said, actually you were smart. You actually want to miss you only out one point nine. They can't call timeout on a live ball. So you want to miss the free throw. You know, because in college if you miss, they can call timeout and have a chance to run a play. Well, you can't call timeout in FIBA on live ball. So it was actually smart he missed it. And he kind of looked at me and said, if anybody asks, just tell them that. You, you, know, you, know, you knew that. Uh, but, the, you know, the third game, I was really looking forward to the third game because that group, I know all those kids. They were all guys that we either looked at at Louisville or here when they were growing up. We played against a bunch of them when we scrimmaged with the Puerto Rican team in 2015, believe it or not. I mean, that was seven years ago. These guys are now 22, but they were 15, 16 at that time. So we were able to, I knew those faces. I said, this, this game's going to be tough. Plus, that team has been playing together since they were 12. And they were missing some guys because some guys got moved up to the senior team. But for the most part, there was an influx of younger guys on that roster as well. And the coach is very, very good. Melvin Lopez is a phenomenal. I knew they were going to be ready. They were going to be organized. They were going to be, you know, had just finished playing for the qualifiers of the under-22s. So they had just come out of that. And I thought that was going to be, besides the talent of the first game, I thought this game was be the hardest because, number one, they were organized. They had practiced for a long time. They knew each other. They had a system, the coach, same coach. And, and then they had same age, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22. So there was, as far as bodies, you know, the older guys get a little tired, right? The older guys, you, you can run them a little bit, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm not running with these guys anymore. You know, <laughs> There was a couple times in the first and second game where we're like, yeah, we're, I'm not chasing that guy. Like, give him a layup. These guys were running back, and they can stay with us conditioning-wise. And then – we were down most of the game. Guys made big shots. Mac Seal hit a huge three to put us up one or two, and then we ended up winning the game in overtime. They didn't score a point in overtime. We, we finished the game regulation and overtime with eight straight stops. We outscored them eight to zero. Oh, wow. They didn't score at all, you know, which was huge for us. We didn't foul. We didn't put them on the line. They didn't make a field goal. So I saw a lot of things that I'm excited about. Obviously, some things we got to work on, but – for the most part, it was an A for me. Uh, and you were talking earlier about there wouldn't be anything about it you'd change because it, for this team, even though it wasn't the way you set it up, this team ends up with these newcomers and you get the extra practice and you get to go for the bonding. But even in a sub-level way, deeper dive than that, even if you lose a one-point game second and you lose a game in overtime, like you can't make that up. You can't create that situation. I mean, you, really, you, you, I don't know what more you could ask for. Absolutely. Like – People, I forget about the practice. You know, that to me was one of the number one things that was great for this trip before we even got there. Ten extra practices? you get ten. So usually you get four hours a week on the court. When you get to ten practices, you can spread them out however you want, which what we did, we did them kind of right before we left, you know, kind of straight two weeks of just going at it. But you're able to be out there the same amount of time you would be in the regular season practice. So we went two hours, two hours and 20. Some, one day we went 245 just because we had so much to put in. You know, usually at this time, I'd have a skeleton offense or a secondary break, maybe two or three sets, maybe one out of bounds play, and our, you know, man to man defense, and we're, we're out. This year, we had to put that plus probably three more series, which have five or six looks in that. Three more out-of-bounds plays, two side out-of-bounds plays, our zone defense, which takes three weeks to put in, and we're not even near, but at least we give them an idea. Our press offense, because they were pressing us 
all three games we got pressed. And then, you know, our press defense, because if we're up, we want to slow teams down. We want to win the game, too. So it was like an overload of information for these guys. And I got to give them a lot of credit. You know, there wasn't a lot of times where guys messed up plays. You know, they yeah, there was some, of course, there's mistakes. But once they found out, they said, I knew exactly what I did wrong, which was great because at least they listened. So those 10 days were awesome. And then the situations in the game, I don't care how hard you try. Yep. You can't do that in practice. It doesn't mean the same. You know, it's coaches refing. Even if it's to get out of running, it's yeah, still yeah, not the same. Yeah, even if it's just to get out of a 22, they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'll run it. You know what I mean? But this is a this is a loss or a win. This is film work. This is you're on film. You know, I say that the eye in the sky never lies. They, they know that. So we're evaluating every possession. And we graded just like we would a regular game. And, um, you know, really impressed with the way guys graded out. You know, even the first game, we graded out pretty well. Defensively, and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, some things we've got to work on. But I thought defensively, we played so many guys, our energy level never dropped. That's one thing that I really noticed. Like, we shuffled three guys in, three guys out, four guys. One time I went five in, five out platoon. And the defensive intensity stayed where I wanted it to stay the entire game, which gave us a chance to at least win. Yeah, and as far as just personnel, you mentioned you got to play all 16 guys that you took. You're trying to evaluate as much as anything right now. And you talked about some of the newcomers, and I know these are the guys that that you really need to see on the floor. And you mentioned some of them, Julian Luau. You mentioned Mac Seal hitting that big shot. But one guy that really showed out for you was Omar El Sheik. He's the big 6'8 kid from Egypt. He averages 17 points, nine boards, shoots 71% from the field for you. He was phenomenal. I mean, when you talk about a older leader, veteran, you know, obviously he's played against this style of play his whole life, right? And we go out there and play, and then for him to just inject himself into our system and be so effective, because, yeah, he had 17, but the nine rebounds and the way he shot the ball, it wasn't like he was just firing up shots. He took good ones, he made ones, big ones when we needed them. He made the right plays. You know, you look at him and he's and he's got one year, right? So he's 23, but he really impressed me. I mean, everybody did at one point. I think consistently Omar for me was very impressive on both ends of the floor. He guards well. He communicates. He's very intelligent. Uh, he knows how to talk to his teammates. He gets them fired up. He gets on them. You know, with him and Fields kind of together, I'm excited about our leadership. And then Marquise Davis, he did a great job too. So I was really impressed with him. Well, I mentioned the 71%. I mean, 17 of 24 is most of this around the rim. Can he step out a little bit? What's he doing? He hit two of three from three. Good shots. He made pull-ups. He drove to the basket and finished with contact multiple times. Really good touch with both hands. So, yeah, a lot of it was, I would say, 12 feet in. But he can step out and shoot it, too, because he made two threes, one huge in the second game to put us up three in the fourth quarter on a trail three that he didn't even think twice about. He just let it ride. Mm. You know, it was one of those, no, no, yes. <laughs> um, we know those. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've been doing it. But it was a big shot. I trusted him kind of like at the at, when, I, when I look back at it, I said, man, if that was me, I would have taken that shot. You know, so I, I commend him for doing that. But I think that people need to understand that with so many new people, you're looking at so many things. And you want to see what they bring to the table and what each person can do in their role. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like Isaiah Nelson played minimal the first game, didn't play the second, 
and that wasn't anything he did. That was for me. I wanted to. I want to rotate my five position. A B him and and Tuan because Tuan had just come back from injury. He starts the third game and has seven point six rebounds, three blocks, like effective. <laughs> Terrence Ford, who will be announced here in a second, but he's going to have to be out for about a month. I think he's got something with his hand in the second game. Small fracture, nothing major. You're going to put him in a cast just for precautionary reasons. He'll definitely be ready for the season. And it happened in the second game in the first quarter. He played 28 minutes that second game. And the first game, he just defensively playing, making plays, passes, and then he finishes a game and our trainer comes up and says, I think he's got a fracture. And I said, when did it happen? At the end of the game? He said, no, the first quarter. <laughs> I said, you're not going to say anything? And he looked at me with his face. He says, coach, I'm from Chicago. That's all he said. <laughs> and he walked away into the showers. That's all he said. So I kind of took that as, no, I'm not going to tell you what I'm hurt. I'm going to play regardless. So, But, you know, he's a tough kid. So I'm really excited about kind of the new faces because a lot of them bring something special. And we need that with the new guys that we got. I mean, with the old guys we got coming back. You mentioned the old guys. Caleb Fields kind of has the feel that maybe this is his team. I mean, he's he's he the point guard. He's the leader. And you look at what he did on this trip. He averaged seven and a half points. But the thing that kind of jumps off the stat sheet, 18 assists over the three games and just two turnovers. With the WWE style basketball, like for when I looked at the last – Okay, let's just put it this way. It's not like here, guys. I didn't get a stat sheet at halftime. I didn't get a stat sheet right after the game. It kind of got like text to me like three hours later. So yep. very hard for me to, to reference that in talking to him because I don't know until I know for sure when I see it on paper. And when I looked at the last game, which, like I said, I thought it was the hardest one, with the physicality, with the guys that they subbed in and out, he finished with 14 points, nine assists, zero turnovers. Wow. Nine assists, zero. I was like, Fields, I'm sorry. Like, I hugged him after we got back to I said, I had no idea. And he's like, I didn't know either. I thought, it, but that's leadership. When I asked the team a question, like, where do you guys want to eat, Brazilian or Mexican tonight? All heads, all turn and look at Fields. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, obviously we know who's, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, Brazilian. Yeah, let's go to Brazilian. Like it was, so he's got, he should have that feel. So year four, he started with, for me since day one. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he needs to have that responsibility on his shoulders now. And I think he's accepted it. I really do. Yeah, they're picking Brazilian because you get the most meat that way. They oh, they bring, a, yeah, bring, yeah. bring the stick. That's you know? right. One of the guys joked and said, you know that, because you, you turn it green red, mm-hmm. he just took it from their guy's table. He says this is never going red. He just took, <laughs> he gave it to another table. And he just kept bringing food. But it it was you know stuff like that. Like he makes decisions for the team that, and then he he has her such a great way. He's always had this though. It's a special gift of just talking to him, knowing how to talk to everybody, knowing how to talk to Omar, knowing how to talk to Malcolm, knowing how to talk to Mac. I mean, he's just he does it in different ways, but sends the same message, which is. You know, as a coach, you you love that because you try to do the same thing. And look, we've been around Caleb enough. He's not a guy that that talks a whole lot, mm-hmm. but because he's been around, because he is the guy now, kind of being looked up to, as you mentioned, he needs to be a little bit more vocal like that. We've discussed that numerous times over his career. That's one thing that he needs to feel comfortable because what he says, ninety five percent of the time is right. You know, it's not like he says something that's like completely off the wall. Like some of the guys I've had, I'm like, what are you talking about? You're not even close to what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what are you saying? He's never like that. He's always, he, he knows what I think. So I need him to be more vocal. And with so many new faces, that's just an added responsibility. 
But I told him, I said, when you came here, what was your goal? Says to play for you. I said, okay. Did you start since day one? Yes, sir. Have you started every game since then? Yes, sir. So you know what that means? That means you've reached that goal. Well, guess what? With the crown comes, you know, like the heavy head wears a mm-hmm. crown, kind of like, okay, you wanted that. You got it. Now this comes with that. <laughs> you can't play every game and be a guy that everybody looks up to and then say, no, I don't want to say anything. And he knows that. It's just not in his nature. Now his mom is completely different. His mom was on the Mika. She she's the loud one. So what where'd you get this from, man? She's the one, but and by the way, she was awesome on the trip too for him, you know, because first game he didn't I, I didn't think he played great, but she she got on him, you know what I mean? They talked, we and after that he just completely changed. So but he needs to do that. Hundred percent needs to be more vocal and he knows that. Couple of other guys as far as the returners, you mentioned Marquise Davis had a solid three games, thirteen and a half yep. points, six rebounds a game, and then what well, Malcolm must have really uh, played unreal. well. Malcolm Farrington averages over sixteen points a game, four assists per game for Malcolm, right. which is something Huge. that we really hadn't seen much of, yep. and and he shoots fifty four percent from three. Yeah, so I'll go to Marquise Davis made what a senior should do made big plays down the stretch defensively was really good knew what we were doing at the right times and then I challenged him after game one I think he had three rebounds and I said you need this is what I need more from you forget the scoring that'll come I said I need you to read he had 12 the second game so you can see kind of like if we ask for it you know I'll give it to you that's impressed me the most and then he was another great guy that guys hang out with you know took care of him and looked up to him and you know, we, we got really close during this trip. I will say, I said one thing that I wanted to do was my one of my goals was besides the new guys to really get close to Marquise because mm. it's kind of been up and down a little bit and he's been hurt and I want him to know how I feel. He wants me to know how he feels and we got really close. Yeah. He dunked me twice in the pool and he's up two zero, so I got I gotta get him here and here <laughs> back. But you know, it's just stuff like that. But Malcolm, what I saw from him that impressed me the most besides his shooting. See, I expected that. You know, we, we get a little spoiled because every shot he takes, it's kind of like if it you doesn't think it's go going in, in. Yeah. you're like, what the heck's going on, you know? So he's got one of the hardest jobs as a shooter to come in, and that's your forte. A really good one is making four out of ten. I mean, that's really good, 40%. You know, for him to hit over half of his threes under the conditions we're in and people closing out on him, plus the size and length, like, it's impressive. But defensively, took two huge charges in the last game. Didn't get beat off the bounce. Knew where he was supposed to be and then assists. That shows he's adding to his offensive game. When you're a shooter, I keep telling him, if you can put the ball on the floor, you're able to make plays for other people. So when you're such a threat with your feet set and your eyes on the rim, guys are going to fly at you. Well, if two guys are flying at you, you need to be able to put the ball on the floor and be able to make the play for somebody else or yourself. And he did that. That shows with the four assists. Kick out threes, lob dunks for Isaiah, lob dunk for Omar, a bounce pass you know, to this guy, a one more to that guy. And then now all of a sudden he's our leading scorer and he's averaging more assists. It's a story I tell him all the time with Russ Smith. Russ Smith, my my last, my first year at Louisville was Russ's last year. Russ averaged 17 points a game his junior year, win the national championship, was one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. I am in the practice facility when Coach Patino looks at him and says, Russ, you know if you pass more, you score more. And my first reaction is, this guy's lost it. Like, what, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, that makes no sense. When you pass more, you score more. And then he started going into what I just dis- discussed. Now fast forward to his senior year. First team consensus All-American. Averaged 21 points a game and was three and a half to one assist to turnover ratio. And this is indicative of what Malcolm did this week. This exact scored more points than he ever has. 
and literally passed the ball better. So really proud of him. He really grew up, and he didn't practice the first three weeks of summer because of his back, and he got back. So, you know, again, really impressed with the way he finished out the week. He's, too, the, th- the thing about that, I mean, you see shooters and this and that, and you don't see him come along very often that, like, you su- you're surprised when they don't go in, but if he gets it in the corner, you're shocked when it doesn't go in. No doubt. I mean, there was, there was a couple times, like, you know, he we're on a run, and he gets a wide-open three, and he's hit – by the way, he's hit three already – and he gets one in the corner, feet set, guy flying at him. And I said, oh, we're, we're up four now. <laughs> yeah. And the ball goes in and out. And he's running by me. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And, I, and I'm like, <laughs> and then he kind of looks at me. I said, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad the shot didn't go in. You know, because I'm expecting it. We're up. In my mind, I'm like, okay, the minute the ball leaves his hand, I'm thinking, okay, we're up four. What defense you want to play now to get a stop to go up six? And it doesn't go in. I'm like, shoot, we're still up one. Malcolm. And he's like, what? I'm like, just get back on defense. But the whole the whole bench did that. And that's a good feeling to have. I, I always want him to have confidence. I, I tell him, if you don't shoot the ball, I'm going to sit you. So if he feels that way, it gives him an opportunity to take some. You know, it, it's kind of the, I always laugh, it's kind of like the Jerry Johnson, Grantham, Gillard rule. All right, you get a couple that are like, what are you doing? Because one of them might go in, <laughs> which might lead to another three later. But if you miss those two, uh, that's it now. You're, you're 27 feet from the basket like this. So he's allowed to do that. And he always takes good shots. I said, Malcolm, like there was one time there was two guys closing out and he like shot faked and we got a shot clock violation. I said, Malcolm, shoot it. There's two seconds on the clock. He says, yeah, but they were flying at me. I said, Malcolm, you're allowed two bad ones a game. You haven't taken one yet. Just let one ride. Like, so He gets it, a couple of heat checks. Yeah, he gets a couple. Yeah. Like Jerry Johnson will get a heat check every here and there. You know, and, and you, he, you need your shooters to shoot. Yeah. And, and you got on Avery last year about that. You, you want thing. him to shoot more. Shoot the ball. And, and Mac, too. You know, Mac. Now, now Mac, you don't have to tell to shoot. He, he'll, he'll, he'll let it ride. In a, I say that in a good way because that kid can really shoot. And he didn't shoot great out there. And he was so hard on himself. I said, forget about it. Like, don't worry about it. It's not. It's August. Just They're going to fall. Just keep shooting it. And they'll start. he'll start making more because he got a bunch of open looks, too. They just didn't go in. And they were all in and out, too. But that's what I'm excited about. I think this group is going to be more fun to watch than groups in the past. Not because of individual talent, I think because of kind of the the potpourri and the stew of what we have. You know, you got the meat, the potatoes, you got the nice, you know, liquid, you have the the onions, and you, you got all that. So when you put all that together, you know, O'Meara was a really good steak, right? But did sometimes you, it was a steak by yourself, and it wasn't always the side dishes that were good. This year, I think we're going to have a bunch of side dishes that you can choose from, and that makes me excited. I think that's a good analogy. And you mentioned steak. That that makes me think of what else was going on. What was the best meal you had down there? Okay, so there's a signature dish in Dominican Republic. It's called sancocho. So sancocho is like a stew that has seafood, chicken, potatoes. Just It's just, just a, a hearty stew. And during lunch one time, I saw a lady in the buffet walk out with it. And I ran to the buffet, and I didn't see it on any of it. So I'm either she's VIP or she works at the place. So I walk, literally walk up to her, and I said, where did you get that? And she looked around. She says, well, my friend works here. And they made it in the back for the people that, that work here. So I went up to the person that runs the kitchen. I said, listen, man, I got 1,000 pesos. I don't know how much this is. If you want more, I got it. I need a cup of Sancocho. And he said, wait right here. And he brought some out for me. 
And then I said, if you could give it to our guys, just please let our guys get some. So he brought out some stuff, and the guys tried it. You know, you get the, oh, this is good. It's like, oh, this tastes like Campbell's. You know, they don't know. <laughs> but I, I ate three bowls of that. So that's my that was the best meal for me That because I always want to eat kind of what the – like what they make there, mm-hmm. you know. Now the rice and beans were phenomenal. The steak was very good, but that that for me was the one. I don't, and, and I feel kind of bad now saying it because everybody's gonna be like, "Why didn't you tell us?" But and I don't want to. I want to risk it. If they had it again, I couldn't get it, so I snuck out back there and got it. Sancocho. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the games, and we talked about those, but I mean that was the first part of the trip. What'd you do the last few days before you got out of there? Was it a lot of downtime? Yep. Just how did you spend that as a team? I, I planned it for it to be that way. I wanted the guys to enjoy their time there. You know, when you spread out too many games, in the back of your mind, you always have the, we got to play tomorrow. And I'm always like, hey, don't be in the pool too long because you're going to get the sun. I need you, you know, ready for tomorrow. So I wanted to play all our games on the front end. First day when we practiced, I, and I want to talk about this experience because I thought this was one of the coolest things before I get to like the downtime. We, we practiced in a small gym. Concrete floor. Yeah, open air thing, right? Yeah, it was it was the nicest gym in that area. Court, whatever you want to call it. The the rims were on wheels. So guys would dunk and the the basket would move and they just move it back. There's no pins and like they're trying to they're just move it right back. After we got done practice, we had about forty kids come from the neighborhood. I mean they came from everywhere. Just watching practice and then they wanted to play with our guys, the guys out there playing one on one, you know, they they got it on TikTok or whatever, and then all of a sudden I see like four or five of our guys, Marquise Davis, Mac Mansell, Terrence Ford, Caleb, I think Isaiah, they were just start taking their shirts off, like their basketball shirts that we give them, kind of dry fits, and they start handing out to little kids, giving them shirts. Oh, wow. And I said, you know what? If they can do that, so can I. So the coaching staff got in on it. So us heavy set dudes took all our shirts off and gave it to the little kids, and we're drenched in sweat. I'm like, hey, go – Go home and wash it. Kid put it right on. You <laughs> walking around with it. So the coaching staff and the players all walked on the bus with no shirts on. We walked off in the resort, and I, I thought it was a cool moment because they were giving them something that they get. It's expected. You know, our guys like, hey, we get these shirts is what we do. But then these little kids are begging for it, and they took it off. Literally took the shirts off their back and gave it to them. I thought that was one of the coolest experiences I saw all week. Like, that's the stuff that people don't see in the blog or don't see. I try to explain a little bit about it, but when you see it with your own eyes happening in front of you, like, it it brings you to tears because our guys understand that there's a lot less fortunate people out there. It had to mean the world to those kids. You have no idea. Four of those kids, we had a clinic three days later in Puerto Plata, and three of those kids took a bus from where we, it was about 25 minutes away to go to the clinic, you know, which I thought was pretty cool. So, you know, and then the rest of the week, just downtime. I mean, the guys got to hang out. They, they, they jet skied. Uh, they went on a banana boat. I got a great video of my son and, and Caleb Fields and Leighton Holt, Amy Holt's son, and Mika, Caleb Fields' mom, first time she ever went tubing. Oh, it's a great video. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a great video. She's out there yelling. Yes. Our guys went on the banana boat. You know, they got they went to jet ski. They got to just hang out by the pool and just really, really enjoy themselves. You know, it's kind of like a three and a half day vacation. You know, at night I let them go out and and go hang out. There was a small little like kind of club area. Obviously, they didn't do any alcohol. They can't do any of that because we we told them no. But you know, they went out there and enjoyed themselves, danced, and Terrence Ford, I think. I don't know how they pulled it off, but 
Friday night they they announced his name like he was going to perform. So he went out there and performed <laughs> like for the club. So ask him about that. I have no idea, but I thought it was great. That that was a part that I really enjoyed the most besides winning those games was them hanging out with each other, which was pretty cool. And a, a group of fans were there with you, and I know that had to mean a lot for you guys as a team to have people up there cheering for the Red Wolves during the games. But hey, it's a chance for our players to get to know them a little bit yep it was a group of about 44 that came and if it wasn't by the way if it wasn't for them we couldn't have gone on the trip anyway because they kind of helped offset some of the costs by coming we got cheaper rooms because we had a bigger group so that stuff was important but for them to spend time with our players you know you don't really get to see them on a personal basis in games, you get to say hi to them maybe before or after, but do you really spend a lot of time with them? And to spend eight days with the group that we had, and the group that we had was everyone that went was so much fun. You know, they were all down to earth, have a good time, enjoy basketball. A lot of them came to practice and, and were up there cheering. And it was it was a really good experience, I think, for our guys to network and to really understand how much people care for them. And what they play for is much bigger than just – you know, the name on the front and Arkansas State, that represents a lot of things. It represents uh, employees. It represents other coaches, other student athletes, donors, you know, fans. It re- represents so much more than a name. And I think they really got to see that during this trip. And that was enjoyable to see the, the bonding some of these guys had with some of these fans. One other person that was on the trip, and I thought this, this was cool when you posted this on social media, is a guy that's been around the program a lot more over the course of the last year, and that's Darius Dunaway. And we had a phenomenal visit, mm-hmm. and a, a podcast with him not too long ago, and he talked about just the closeness he's been able to experience w- with your team, but now with these newcomers, just having him around and his influence from the FCA, uh, I know has, has meant a lot to you and your program. He might be the best impromptu hire I've ever had. I mean, he walked in my office my first year with Coach Vince Walden and said, hey, Coach, I'm here if you need me. This is what I do. I'm not going to step in. If you don't want me here, I I understand that I said, no, come every day because I might need you more than they do. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to grow so close to him and the relationship he has with our players because he's lived it. He was a student athlete here. His story is unbelievable with his parents. I mean, yeah. that, that is when he told me that, Oh yeah. you know, and then with his wife and now his, his four kids and what he's done to make himself who he is today through the faith in God and spreading the word and getting people to understand. It's not always, the thing I love about him is it's not always a, it's not always about religion. It's about life. You know, it's about using religion to teach. It's not about, Hey, you have to pray this way because we got a couple guys on our team that are not. Christian, they're Muslim. You know, you got AB and you have Omar. Very, very strict Muslim. Don't eat pork, pray at certain times of the day, do Ramadan, all that. So it's not even, and they felt comfortable being with him, you know? So Darius is the number one, in my opinion, number one life coach I've ever been around. He does a great job of making people understand what good and bad is. And if they do bad, how to teach them to do good. And if they want to do good, to continue to do good. And he's one of the most important people in our program. I tell everybody all the time. I mean, he is, I brought him on this trip because it was a thank you to him. You know, it was a thank you for all he did. But in the back of my mind, I knew him going was going to help our team even more. I mean, heck, Friday morning, they had a player-led prayer. They asked him if we can all meet and do like a prayer session. Every player showed up, seven, nine in the morning, whatever it was. And he had them all down there by the beach and, you know, they talked. And I kind of let them do their deal, and it was the the coolest thing I've ever seen. And that kind of shows you the closeness because not one guy missed that. 
Everybody was there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mm-hmm. mandatory. If you come, come. If you don't, don't. You got maybe five or six that want to know. All 16 were sitting there, locked in, eyes on that guy. And for him to control a room like that, it, you know he's sending a good message. So I'm so happy he's with us. I, I guess if I'm, I'm trying to think my day. I got this right. If there was a downside to this whole deal, right? you missed Ric Flair's last match? I did. I did. I was a little upset about that. You know, that's one thing that I was kind of mad about. But I did see highlights and uh, – you know, Let me tell you, you didn't miss it. I'm glad he made it match. through. Let's just put it yeah, that way. Yeah, you didn't miss it. I, I, I saw I, it. I ended up watching it when I got back. And I'm, I'm, let's just, I'm just happy that Rick's still kicking. It was it. They changed the name to hopefully Rick Flair's last match. <laughs> he almost made There was one time where they were tagging him in, and he was like, Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm staying right here. I'm not. But he's the best ever. Come on. So I'm happy he's still uh, walking. Let's just put yeah. it that way. Well, buddy, it's fun visiting as always. It sounds like an amazing trip. Is there anything we're leaving out? Anything we need to add here? No, I think we cut. I just, I really, again, want to thank all the people of the our six man club. You know, if you haven't yeah. signed up, please sign up again. And then people of the that donate and are part of Boots and Ballers, and the people that came on the trip because of them. You have young men who've never stepped foot outside of the United States now have a passport for 10 years. So when they go play professionally, we don't have to go through that now. Because of them, they're able to make a smooth transition to play pro basketball overseas and to live through the cultural experience that they did this week. You can't simulate that unless you do it. And it's because of them. It's because of these people that allowed us to do this for our team. And I want to thank them from the bottom of my heart. And if it wasn't for them, again, we wouldn't be where we are because we need them. And their support means so much to me. So I, I want to end it with a thank you to them. And then you guys for inviting me. It was, it was great. So I'm, I'm happy I got to end and talk to you guys. That's Mike Bellotto joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here refinish the floors here twice? Sized up your daughter's boyfriends here? Waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave? This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Coming up this week... The volleyball team, Brian Gerwig and his crew, will be in action. They're playing a scarlet and black scrimmage Saturday at 5, admission free. They're not the only ones in action. We talked earlier about the football team having another scrimmage on Saturday, but the soccer team actually opens up its regular season this week. They'll be at home for a couple of games Thursday at 4. That's the season opener against UAPB. And then Sunday, UCA will be in town at 4 o'clock. They'll get that game started. So hopefully we'll see Coach Dooley's team start the season with a couple of wins. And no, they're working through some new people. Minute, it's an interesting mix for them. We had him on. You know, all you're doing is trying to replace a couple of the best players in the history of the program. But you had a phenomenal freshman class. You know, I, I, they're a little bit of an unknown for a team that's won back-to-back Sun Belt titles. There's a, they're a little bit of an unknown because you did have the two you know super seniors leave, and you did have two kids transfer out to SEC programs. But there's still plenty 
of uh, young talent on that A-State soccer roster. All right. Anything you need to talk about before we get out of here? I was trying to think here. I don't know if I if I had a, anything in particular I wanted to gripe about Las Vegas or not. <laughs> um, yeah, you were in Vegas last week. I and was. we talked about it. You, you were getting ready when we recorded last yep. week to take the whole family to Las Vegas. That part, listen, and I, this is my sixth trip to Las Vegas, and it's the first one that hasn't been in the fall. October, November, something like that. For whatever reason, every time I've been, it's been that time of the year. So I've never been in the summer. There were kids everywhere. There were kids everywhere. Don't believe me? Go to the beach club pool at the Flamingo. And I understand, too, why they also at the Flamingo have a 21 and over pool. It's not because, you know, people run around half-dressed or topless or anything. But at the 21 and over pool, even though they did have a DJ play and loud music and stuff, when you walk by the 21 and over pool – which shows people just standing in it and sipping on their drink. Like nobody was They're, they're, they're not just getting standing splashed in the water. by some kid jumping in. That's the deal. Because you go over to the beach club and it's Katie bar the door. But a good trip. Absolutely. Everybody had a, a good time. It really didn't do a whole lot. Caught a magic show, rode the link high roller, watched the Bellagio fountains, did some top golf. But uh, everybody, everybody thought Vegas was a cool spot. My gripe about it is that it's the second year in a row we've been, and the second year in a row I've come back hacking and snorting. So there's something about spending more than a couple of days out in the desert dry air. that messes with my sinuses. And I didn't get a contact high this time. I, I really, that did happen when we went back in the fall. It, yeah. the, for whatever reason, that, that seemed to not be as prevalent as it was when we were there last year. Ridiculous last year. And everybody would still wear a mask. That's right. You and don't have to do that anymore. Every night when I got back to the hotel room last year, my, my eyes were solid red. Not this time. So that was good. Thanks again to our buddy Mike Bellotto coming by and hanging out with us this week. For Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.